is an emergency broadcast of the Morning Cardigan Show, presented by The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, an emergency broadcast of the Bun and Cardigan Show presented by The Athletic. I'm, of course, joined by the on-again, off-again man who wears the cardigan, James Edwards III of The Athletic. Not really a time-sensitive emergency. We're a little bit late on this one. Uh, this is going to be just kind of going over the Monty Williams uh, inductory presser that he did yesterday. Uh, James was there. We're going to be able to jump into it. We didn't do it immediately. I guess we kind of were like, do we want to just wait? But we're just too amped up. We're too excited. We got to talk about this now. I mean, I'm tired. You're amped up. You're excited. We didn't do it last night because I had a lot of work to do. But uh, I figured today we would do it. Get it out of the way. Because yeah, next week's draft talk. It's one of those things. I, I We can start with this. I'm, I'm watching, you know, just the start of it. And I'm listening to opening remarks and stuff. And I'm thinking about you sitting in that room. Was it at the PPC? Yes. Cool. So you're sitting in the gym, and I'm like, what's the psychology behind this if I'm James? Am I like, damn, I just spent, you know, three, four years with Dwayne getting to know him, building that relationship, building relationships with assistants. Is there some of it, like, is part of the job just that, like, sometimes you got to tear it all down and, and start from scratch, and this is your technically third time doing it? Yeah, it's a good question. Uh, I actually did. It is. It's weird in the sense that, like, I don't know, like you said, like, I've covered Dwayne five years. Then there's a new coach there um, who you don't know. Just even just seeing this, like, a press conference without Dwayne was, like, different. Like, it just takes a while to get used to, right? Um, and then, yeah, of course, you get to – you have to learn all new assistants. Um, it's certainly, like, yeah, I always kind of use the – Kind of to what you were saying, one rule of thumb I kind of live by in journalism, like, obviously sometimes you have to, as long as it's truthful, you have to write things that not everybody will like, and some people hold grudges, and some people don't hold grudges, uh, but I always kind of live by the the rule of thumb that nine times out of ten, I'm, I'm going to be there longer than them, just because of the nature of the NBA business, you know what I mean? Like, players are traded, they sign elsewhere, coaches get fired, they get hired, um, GMs obviously so um, it certainly is a uh, it's it's different and takes some some getting used to uh, but it it's cool it's 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 refreshing um, you just you just gotta kind of figure it out and get to know these people and it was it was also interesting just because Dwayne was sitting like on the other like next to me you know so just seeing him in that setting, like what I'm sure, I'm sure it probably wasn't. I don't know. I mean, I'm sure he's happy, but I'm sure that can't be. I'm sure it's not not weird. I guess he's like he's like, damn, I couldn't get that contract. I couldn't get that much. I'm money. not even saying that. I'm just saying he's been a coach his whole life. I'm yeah. not sure how many pressers he sat in where somebody else is being the coach, if any. You know. Oh, that's yeah, sure, yeah. What's what's worse for you? Because you've dealt with both. Um like coaching turnover and having to reestablish those relationships or is it worse with a front office when there's an entire regime change uh, i would say front office is harder or it can be harder uh just because they're more in the background like the players you just you're just naturally going to get to know one way or another because you're around them every single day so i would say the the former it's like year – is this going to be year eight for you? I year just nine? finished what, six. Six. Okay, so you're going into seven. Do you think 
like how long has it taken you for you to be like, I think I'm in a good place with Tom Gores. Do you think you're there? Because the FaceTime that you get with him is what a handful of times a year. What do you mean by like good place? Like, like we he like, knows who I am and like yeah, we shake each other's hand in short convos when we see each other. Yeah, and I, well, I guess the question he doesn't know that everybody. I'm asking, right? Is how long does it take you to get to that point with the the people in the front office that you really don't get to see that often? Um, it can de- it can depend. Uh, I I guess it just. Yeah, I mean, that's a hard one to answer just because there's different factors. Uh, like maybe yeah. you write a story on somebody and then you get a relationship with them that way or some are more present than others, um, some less talkative than others. It just kind of depends. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to throw out a quick observation that I made. Um, Matthew agreed with me on this. Because Reddit is like on this strike the piston subreddit doesn't exist so i don't know what people are what the general zeitgeist thinks about this or if anybody else noticed this but boy those vibes between troy and tom were weird and i know i made a comment in the last just a few days ago in the last episode about I that's think where it's you want to start people, I, I was letting you went, steer this whole ship that's where you want to start it is where i want to start because it was the first thing that jumped out to me was you know and i'm not trying to be armchair psychologist here hey i'm just some guy but it did seem like Tom tried a little hard to make sure that everybody knew there definitely wasn't a shouting match that happened between him and Troy Weaver. I didn't. So I actually just wrote about this, uh, a story that by the time you're listening, this pod will be up. Uh, I'm about to post it as we're doing the pod where I just kind of did my observations from the presser. And I saw fans talking about like, I think, was it Tom that said a five round boxing match or uh, yeah. Troy at the end saying, uh, there, there had to be a referee. I think I, I interpreted that like this. Like I thought people read into that too much because for one, the freedom they have talking about it in front of all those people make obviously has they have a very good relationship, right? Mm-hmm. You know when something's weird. Two, I interpreted that their like dialogue where they said they didn't see eye to eye throughout the whole process was I interpreted it as this, and I wrote exactly this in the piece. This is my opinion. I thought Troy didn't think they could get Monty. Like, I think he thought that he was going to not coach next season and liked Lee and Ollie and was ready to get the ball rolling on next season, get a coach in place, blah, blah, blah. Again, with the premise that he didn't think Monty was coming, right? And I think Gores was like, well, let's just put a formal offer in place. Let's give it a real try. Give him a reason to say no. And even if it prolongs our coaching search uh, and risks him still saying no, that's the risk I'm, I'm willing to take to at least try to get him. And I think that's all it was is like if, if I had to guess when I, whatever people think the whatever they were interpreting from kind of what you were saying, because I saw that all over Twitter, too. I took it as they're both very happy. Monty is the hire. The process took even longer than they thought. Troy was probably ready to like, okay, we need to like get the ball rolling on the off season. Tom's like, all right, let's take one more shot. And I, I think it was as simple as that. Personally, that's just my opinion and my read on it being in the room. Yeah. I don't want to frame this. Like I'm trying to stir something up. Like I'm pretending that there's like, I ultimately it's only a good thing. If they're disagreeing on stuff like that, it's not an inherently good thing, but just in the sense that it's like, okay, so it's not an echo chamber. That's great. Um, you know, you have this, these, this meeting of the minds. I got to tell you though, what, another thing that I noticed about Troy uh, I something finally clicked with me in watching this presser. 
you know, for these last few years, I keep being like, I don't know if Troy is that funny. And you're like, no, he's a he's a he's a funny guy. He's a good guy. And I've always just been like, I'd love to see more like, I don't know. I don't want to say personality because he's a GM. Like he does. It doesn't matter. Ultimately, it's like he's only on camera five times a year. Anyways, it's not that serious. But I think I finally realized because of a comment that Tom made in passing, Troy loves the basketball business side of the job and hates the media part of the job. What do you think? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, that simple. I, I know why we're like starting here because those were, I think, the two things like people were talking about for whatever reason the most. At least I saw my timeline. Yeah, he, like nobody grows up and wants to be a – I want to be a basketball G- GM or a sports GM so I can speak to the media. Like Daryl Morey. I just – I also think like I, – I think people always have like a, a vision or of what somebody in power is supposed to be, right? And that's a whole – that's a whole other argument um, – or not an argument but a whole other discussion – um, and I think something that the Pistons organization like does a great job of taking on head on. Um, but like, not everybody is a good public speaker. Like, you know how many, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know if 100%. people think because he's in a person, a, a person of power, uh, that he is automatically supposed to be like Obama when he speaks. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, that's not everybody's cup of tea. Not like I, you have a normal one-on-one conversation with Troy. He speaks very well. I don't think he speaks poorly at the press conference. I just think he's very meticulous about what he's trying to say and has no problem taking a pause and and making sure he's saying things the right way. I also just think some people don't like to speak in like public speaking. That's pretty. It's a pretty normal thing. The last thing that you said there is really all that I've ever noticed is how calculated he is with everything that he says. And that's why everything always takes so long to come out is because he's really thinking meticulously about every single word that he's going to use. Uh, More people should do of, that in life. You should probably think, 100%. About what yeah, think about what you're saying. Yeah, I'm not saying I'm, – I guess you're right. It sounds like I'm saying this as if it's like a detriment to him. No, I guess it's in an, in an endearing way. Good job, Troy. You think about what you're saying. Um, another guy who thought about what he was saying at this press conference was Monty Williams because he said something that I was like, honestly, dude, good for you for even acknowledging that to sit there and be like, yeah, the money helped. It really didn't hurt that they're paying me this much money to coach this basketball team. The honesty feels great because what's the answer for, what's the answer for a lot of guys around the league? It would be, no, I'm just really excited to coach this this young team. team. Yeah, um, I love the the vision ownership has in the front office, right? Which he did say, but they usually yeah. it's usually just assumed that everybody's excited about the financial part. Nobody ever talks about it, right? Yeah, but I guess when the elephant, you know, the historic, the historically large elephant is in the room, it's like you kind of have to. People are going to think that you ghost wrote my story that is up. can i read to you my my intro <laughs> am i am i stealing by the way this story is not out as of us recording as of right, us recording what... it it's not out i'm waiting for somebody to post it my lead monty williams's honesty was both surprising and refreshing when the elephant in the room is a hundred million dollars for a coach it would be disingenuous <laughs> not to address it <laughs> that's crazy that you said that i those are my bars people he nick is not my ghostwriter but that's yeah just why i we agree do the show 100 i agree though i thought there was kind of like a whoa when he said it because it's like I agree. It's like that needed to be addressed. Like it would be 
it would just be insane if a coach making that much money didn't bring that up, right? So the fact that he said it was awesome, was cool, was refreshing to hear. I I don't think even I don't think a lot of people in the room thought he like expected him to say it, right? But he did, and it's honest and it's it's truthful and I think that another thing aside from the money kind of showing cuz he he had mentioned that when Troy called him initially like brought back some confidence like he was lacking confidence after he got fired right um so like you maybe question your worth as a coach at that point so tom obviously is coming to the table and showing his worth as a coach a leader and a human based on obviously the the stuff i reported with um him having a a health and welfare fund to pull from in, in the event of his his wife who he announced was diagnosed with breast cancer during the playoffs a private plane for them to travel back and forth if need be. Um, so there's, his value was quickly shown on both the human and, and, and professional level, right? But on top of that, I think, and he, I think he might have said, I can't remember, but this is just how I interpreted him talking about it. Like his contract could be the catalyst for how coaches get paid going forward. And I think it took a little bit. I don't think that was like initially like his initial thought when he got the contract, but like as he, as time passed, I was, I think he realized like, Oh, like this is, this could be a monumental time for coaches. Um, and I think he thinks what Gore is making that commitment should be applauded because it could change the landscape of, of how coaches get paid. I, one of the first takes I had, dude, like you're a hundred percent right. I don't remember if I said it on this show. Maybe it was just in Discord or I was texting somebody about it or something. But I was like, I love the idea that we may have just reset the market with coaches moving forward and that this may or be at least the sort of like new ones that have had success. Right. Right. This yeah. could be the new bar. And it, it it's, you know, sort of um, it gives you some sort of a barometer for what coaches could be paid in the future if they're somebody like Monty Williams. So on the on the topic of contracts, actually. I think it's worth bringing up how many of the players were there, including ones that are impending free agents, right? Yeah. Uh, the only ones that weren't there from last year's team, to my knowledge, were Bojan, who I just assume is in Europe. He's he's waiting for y- yeah. Jokic at the airport. Um, <laughs> and Ko- Kojo. I didn't see Kojo. Oh, okay. He was the one that I thought it was only Bogdanovich, so... My thought was, why was Corey Joseph there? But if he wasn't there, then okay. And I, I didn't see him. Um, but certainly the whole team pretty much was there. You do not see that a lot. Um, I wrote about that too. I think it also, like more importantly for the fans, it's like it shows that the guys are in Detroit right now. Like most teams, like maybe got like a guy or two. Most players aren't in their local market at the end of May, early June. Uh, so it's very clear that they were getting work in together and, and things like that. Like that's, I'm sure stuff that the fans really wanted to hear. Uh, I had heard that they they not, there were many people there prior to Monty's press conference. Like it, I'm sure some people might've wow. showed up like a day or two before, but to my knowledge, there were people there multiple days before. So, um, and that's something Monty talked about. He said he got emotional when he saw all of them in the, the, uh, meeting in that morning, um, he said guys were they had to kick guys off the floor, which we already knew, but like he's learning that. Like he learned about how hard um some of these guys work and that's something Troy pitched to him that Monty said stuck with him during the process was he said he'd put his lock Troy would put his locker room up against any locker room in the league. Monty said he asked around and couldn't find a bad thing said about any of the players. So 
Uh, it definitely seems like they're aligned in those values and having good culture, good locker room, and, and guys who do work, which obviously everybody says that's who they want. Um, every Anybody who runs a team says that, but um, it's certainly – uh, you can't really question a single person on on the Pistons roster when it comes to working. Like that's a as somebody who sees it every day. That's that's a fact. I don't recall who it was, but I don't think it was you. So I guess we don't have to we don't have to credit it because we don't re- we don't credit other beat reporters on this uh, on this show, James. Well, we do if they but break the, something first. Yeah, but if it's just a question at a oh sure at a presser, yeah. But it was a good question. It was like, hey, what do you see? But it was kind of the obvious one. What do you see the similarities are between, you know, this current team and the Suns team that, that you was adopted? Me. Uh, was that you? Yeah. Were there two questions about Phoenix? Probably. I think Vince asked one. Uh, I can't remember. I, there were a couple similar ones. I was Okay, name. maybe that's what I'm getting confused about then. But his response of, I don't want to label guys that we have here him saying here's the thing monty williams saying we like we and yeah. i know he's talking about me your pants and us. tightened dude it like i like i was so i was watching it on my phone and i was walking around the apartment while i was watching it the first time he said we and i like realized what he meant i like stopped in my tracks and like was super laser focused uh but no it was just nice to see it i guess maybe it is sort of just general coach speak to be like, well, you know, I don't, I just want these guys to be the best versions of themselves and all this stuff. But, um, there's, there's a lot of value in good coach speak. That's why I love Dwayne Casey as much as I do is because he always says the right things. And Monty Williams so far seems like a guy who knows how to say the right thing. I mean, they're seasoned, uh, both he and Dwayne, they've been around the block. Uh, um, hold on one second. That's somebody in the hallway. Sorry. I was like, it sounded like the TV just came on. Um, you want me to cut this out? No, no, please leave it. Okay. Uh, um, yeah, I mean, they're both seasoned. They've both been around the block. They know. Um, I also just think they have like, they're both old school in their mentalities of like what they value in, in players and what they, their philosophies and coaching. So it, it doesn't surprise me. You see some similarities between the two for sure. It's a it's weird because we actually can't really even predict who the summer league coach might be because we don't know who his guys are yet. Was That's Jared Jack actually there? Was that real? Yeah, he was there. Just as like a, for support. I mean, he was wearing Pistons gear. Was he? Yeah. I saw one screenshot and it was blurry and I could not tell if it was him and I was not going to bother you over text about it. Yes, it was him. Uh, Mark Bryant was there. Uh and then those are the only two I like know by face. I'm sure, I'm sure there were there were others there as well. But it sounds like his staff is is closing or already materializing. Finalized. Yeah, it's almost done. So it's happening. I heard it from a little birdie, Jared Jack coming to Detroit. I mean, there are photos. Yeah, it's a good day. He, could he be the summer league coach? This matters to me. Maybe that'd be fun. You know what I think just came out? I think it was the TV in the other room, and I think it's the funniest moments in To Catch a Predator. <laughs> funniest moments in To Catch a Predator? Yeah. What channel? Would, was he watching NBC Plus or whatever? It was probably on YouTube or something. Because I was watching. Go ahead. Sorry. 100% we were Chris t- Hansen. Shout out to Chris Hansen. from. Uh, I don't know if I shout Chris Hansen out. Uh, I, I reneged that, but he's from Detroit, or he worked Wait, in Detroit. Wait, what? 
what's reprehensible about Chris Hansen? What did I he think do? he might have gotten to some stuff later. I, I, I'm just not 100 percent sure, so I, I don't want of to all people. I think I don't know Google. I, I'm not going to Google right now because we've already this already gone off topic. What's here, going on here, James? What's going on here? I just heard we a loud ta- noise and I didn't know what it was. But go ahead. We were talking right before we started recording. Uh, one of the reasons we're doing the emergency episode is because once we get to next week, it's like draft, draft, draft. We just want to talk about the draft. And you were like, I don't know if I think people are going to kind of get over this a little bit. The honeymoon phase with Monty will end and we'll just kind of be excited for the season to start. You know, no, I didn't I, mean that. I don't mean it. I'm not saying that people are going to like turn. On, I'm just saying they're no, going to get over the news cycle of the. Coaching yeah, stuff. well, I just think because the draft's so close. And everybody lo- everybody's obsessed with the draft. Yeah. Totally. 100%. But as somebody who is, like, taking this, like, almost too far, I don't know when I'm going to get over. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at him, you know, behind the Pistons, like, banner, and I'm seeing him wearing the red tie, and he's looking, like, he's looking great. He's in our building. He's in the city. Like, and it still doesn't feel real to me because when we got Dwayne – I don't I don't know what the difference is because would you say that like their I don't know how to articulate this question but where their status is in the league is similar when Dwayne was hired versus when Monty I think Monty's higher in that sort of coaching hierarchy as in terms of how he's viewed at the time. Do you get what I'm asking? I get what you're asking. I would say yes, they agreed or they were they were seen at similar levels at the time of being hired i would say i mean Dwayne was just coming off coach of the year uh i mean yeah i mean he's one year he's won it right right um so i don't know about how you want to rank those tiers but yeah i would say it's very very level in terms of how they were viewed um i mean yeah i mean we've talked about it like you can make the case that if everybody from the pool who was available to start who ended up being available was available at the start you can make the case Monty was one of the two best coaches that you could even get, right? So and I I think obviously Dwayne coming off coach of the year and obviously falling short with the Raptors in the playoffs, but he was still seen as one of the, the top coaches you could get at that time. And it's weird, though, because if you even extend the time frame, and we've mentioned this, it's like this is Tom's track record. He likes to go get the guy because even before that, it's SVG. And that at the time was still a guy that we're like, that's a coach. You know, that's a name. Yeah. There's, there's brand recognition there. I don't know what it is about this, dude. I just feel like maybe it's coupled with Troy sitting up there and explicitly saying we're trying to turn the corner and we're trying to do it. Like we we want to be better. We want to be good. And it feels so serious. It feels so genuine and it feels so real when you point to the guy at the end of the podium and it's Monty Williams versus with all due respect, if it was a Charles Lee or a Kevin Ollie, you know what I mean? It just means so much more as a fan that you can sit up there and I know that you're doing everything that you can. And I know, like, even as an owner, even to Tom, it's like when you go get the guy on the market, it's it feels great as a fan and I feel cared about. I don't know how, to, how else to say yeah, it, but I, I'm so. happy they care. I like the way you described that. That was good. I, that was one of the most coherent soapboxes you've gone on in this show. You did a good job. That was good. You don't have any follow-up other than that? What, well, can I – I no, like, I get what you're saying. Like, I, I think they – I don't know. We've talked about it. Like, obviously, people were not enthusiastic about who the other options were. They were overly thrilled when Monty was hired. And I think it's for what the reasons that you 
you just laid out exactly like i think people are ready to see a step forward yeah i'm just excited dude um and i not, don't have again not that the other two couldn't but you 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 at least know what it, you, you have something to look at when it comes to money you've seen the it's, blueprint happen you've seen him do what you want your team to do to he, you saw him do it to another team it's exactly what i said when we did the emergency of like what two weeks ago uh when this was announced when you and shams broke this news it's not that I'm trying to disrespect Charles Lee or Kevin Ollie, but it's like we don't have to go on that journey and find out if it works or not. Where with Monty Williams, we've just seen that it works with other teams. So it's really easy to to sort of telegraph how this could work when you have guys like Cade and Jaden Ivey and Jalen Duran and Isaiah Stewart. When you have as many talented guys on this roster as you, it just feels like this is real. This vision for these last few years, we haven't just been we haven't just been, you know, dragged along. And there's a light, man. There's a light at the end of the tunnel. I see it. I see it. Yeah, I mean, I agree that they went and pulled out all the stops to try to get the best coach possible, and they did that. Um, but like I've just heard you like you're just being excited. I've heard you when we get K. There's yeah. a light at the end of the. T- <laughs> There's a light at the end of the tunnel, and then you tell me you couldn't even get through the last two months of the last season, and you're thinking about becoming a uh, oh. a Grizzlies fan. Uh, <laughs> Be for real, though. The last two months of the season when you're winning 17 games, you were probably mentally checked out since, like, January. I had just been, like, a month longer than that. I mean, it's it, it, there. Are, you have your good and bad days. It's, yeah, like any job. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you want to talk about? Did Nikola Jokic have a bad day at work on on Tuesday on Monday on yeah, Monday night when he learned that he couldn't go home immediately? Dude, him being so inconvenienced by a championship and a championship parade is the funniest thing I've ever seen. He's the man. Shout out to Joker, Joker, Jokic, Joker. Let's wrap this up. I have one finals take. I, this is only a win for small markets. I think this is only a win for the NBA that a team like Denver won, that a player like Jokic won, that you have a player like Jamal Murray up there on the podium. But it was something about the finals, man. It just There wasn't a lot of juice in there this year for me. I just didn't feel very attached to the games, and I didn't feel very, like a the whole hoop fan. That, stop it. It's Because that's the thing. That's what this comes down to is Miami – and Denver was probably the best, like, basketball finals that we could get. Where if you wanted, like, narrative, you could. I would argue Boston could be in there, and I wouldn't have a problem with it, but I think Game 5 was a pretty solid showcase of what I mean. Minus the three-point shot. I would that say, was pretty brutal. I would say the team I thought was consistently the best for an entire season versus, went up against the team that – the Cinderella. Like, it was, the, it was perfect, right? It was – the NBA is rewarded by showing – that the best team in the regular season is going to get to the finals. And then there's also the tournament aspect of it where this team catches fire, barely gets in, goes on this run, and now they're meeting. Who's who's Is the team of the moment better or is the team that's of consistency better? I thought – I love the story. I, I don't think that part was talked about talked about enough. The narrative part of it was good. Um, no, I you tell just said you, what, you hated I, it. I just didn't feel – I don't know what it was. I think it's just because – 
the dumb psychology of like, I don't like Denver's uniforms and their colors. and stuff. I don't know. There's that part of it that I don't love. But I think it's great. Um, it did also feel awesome that the two clutchest plays of the final two minutes of that game were Bruce Brown and Contavious Caldwell Pope. That's pretty funny. Also, you have Ish Smith finally eclipsing the mountain in the same moment that Jeff Green does it too. Yeah. And there is not for I mean basketball fans around the world rejoice. Like the it's it's it feels a lot like when the Raptors won because of all of the guys. That's you know the thing that we love about teams winning championships in any sport is when you get to look at the roster and read every name and be like that guy has a ring now. Wow. And when the Raptors did it it was Jeremy Lin. It's like Jeremy Lin NBA champion. Wow. Was Even he, on if that, he, didn't he play. wasn't on that team, was he? Yeah, he was. Yeah. A hundred percent. Yeah, he was. Okay. So it's just, that's my favorite thing is looking at all of the funny role. Like Reggie, Reggie Jackson, NBA champion, by the way. DeAndre Jordan has won before CP3 and Blake. They said it couldn't be done. Shout out to the Nuggets. It's, a, it's, it's reminiscent of the, of the Detroit Rams winning a Super Bowl. Mm, that whole thing is I that's the grossest thing to ever come out of Detroit. Detroit sports, Detroit, it. Detroit sports fandom, Detroit sports as a Detroit as a sports town went down a notch with the whole Detroit Rams thing. That's so. Bleh. Oh my gosh! I think the people who no, nah, it's gross. Bought Detroit Rams gear. They need to relax a little bit. But I think the people who were just like. Matthew Stafford, go win the Super Bowl. Like me. Oh, I agree You're with that. A... But if you if you made or bought Detroit Rams merch. Right. That's I'm like, okay, relax. Yeah, like we got no, I don't there's not a single athlete, musician, uh civil rights activist activist that I would go to bat like that for, like uh, Detroit fans do Matthew Stafford. What about like Javon Ringer? No. He's kind of like a core memory for me, so I would I would probably if he transferred to like I don't know if if 10-year-old me saw that Javon Ringer was transferring to Michigan, I would probably be pretty devastated. <laughs> what the hell? Reminiscent of when Chauncey got traded to Denver and I was like nobody even knows who Allen Iverson is. Why did we do this? Did you really, oh yeah, you weren't. A, yeah, you weren't like a. I didn't care. Were, I was yeah. like a. I was a Pistons fan. That was right. it. I didn't. I didn't care. Yeah. At all. So I was like, I don't. Who knows who this guy is? Who cares about this guy? And then he got here and was like, I hate Detroit. And I was like, Okay. I don't. Think I don't he like did him. that. But he was like, there was an interview, and there's a. I, this is a, there's such a specific reason why I remember this. There was an interview that he did after. Was he here two years? I don't remember. He's an all star though. And it was after one of the years. He was like, that was the worst year of my life. <laughs> I so, don't remember that. I'll have to look that up. All right, ladies and gentlemen, Monty Williams is your head coach. Uh, this is real. This is real. So thank you for tuning in to an emergency <laughs> episode of the Bun and Cardigan Show presented by The Athletic. If you're listening to this on Apple Podcasts, you can rate five stars, leave a review, subscribe if you're feeling generous. If you're listening to this on Spotify, you can also leave five stars. We will catch you guys in the next one. Peace.